What's up, Substackers? It's your boy. Feeling much better today. Thanks for asking. Thanks for all the concerns. Thanks for all the well wishes. All that good stuff. I'm out in the park. As you can hear, the leaves crinkling under my feet. The wonderful ambiance that uh, sets the tone for these here rambleabouts. I jumped back into the... Uh, I did an Ask Corey Anything a while back, and I never got through all the questions because I'm so long-winded that every single question... Uh, ended up taking like 30 minutes and I got a lot of great questions on there and I wanted to do another one but I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to start something before I finished the previous thing so I'm going to finish uh, ask Corey anything the first one I did and the first question that I'm going to get to today is from my buddy Pat Hartley up there in Canada uh, Pat huge friend of the show me and pat have actually we did an instagram live together very spur of the moment that was fun it made me want to talk to more of y'all in a recorded fashion if that would be cool with y'all later anyways pat says ai is going to take over our lives as in things like chat gpt and automation i think he's asking is it going to take over our lives I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, just so you know. Hope all is well in your household. This ought to be fun, as the questions are great so far. I'll be honest on the AI front. It's one of, like, I, I definitely, I know that I don't know everything, but I usually always feel like there's not many things I can be asked where I don't have, like, a pretty strong opinion of what I think is going to shake out. Obviously, I've been wrong a bunch in my life, and... But with AI now, man, I really don't know because if you asked me a couple years ago, because I was asked a couple years ago, and like, dude, this is something that comedians and actors and writers, we've all been talking about this for like way longer than before the strikes and before it was in the news and before, honestly, anybody even really knew that AI was even really a thing because, you know, it's it's our job to sit around and think about stuff and... uh I don't know if y'all know this, but creative types, the thing that we most think about is how is the prospect of the thing we love doing changing in some way away from the way that we do it. Because like in, in all manners, like, you know, when back in the day when there were stage actors, they didn't like the movies came along and they were like, they didn't like the movies because they were like, no, no, no. Then people won't come out to the theater, the stage, you know? And, uh, like when radio came along, there were people who did vaudeville shows who were like, they didn't like radio because they're like, people aren't going to come to the vaudeville shows. And then same thing happened with movies. Those people, the radio people didn't like the movies cause they're like, nobody's going to want to listen to the radio. And then I feel like, the movie people felt the same way about TV. And then one of the more recent ones was that's how TV actors and movie actors and stuff feel, feel about YouTube and comedians feel about people putting stuff up on YouTube. Like YouTube basically just became the, the next TV. And, 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 a lot, and Roy Wood Jr. like really illustrated that to us on a podcast one time. And, and, and it was really nice because like, it, you know, I've been trying to get television made for a very long time. It seems like my whole life. Um, and me and Trey both kind of popped, whether it be on YouTube or social media or whatever, but we always we always hated it when people would call us like YouTubers or YouTube comedians because I'm like, no, 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 I'm a comedian. It's just that I do put my stuff on YouTube because 
you have to now, you know, and like, why wouldn't I? And also, I'm sorry, I don't work for NBC. But anyways, the next iteration of that, it seems like it's like AI is a thing, and, but it's different in the sense of like, in all those other formats, it's like, oh, you can be upset about the fact that like you're, you're used to doing comedy clubs and that's it and selling your tickets the old fashioned way. And now there's YouTube and you just don't want to learn a new thing. Well, you can adapt in that situation and use YouTube to your advantage. But with AI, it's like, you're not the one that's going to be doing the adapting. The Hollywood executives are, and they're clearly going to try to use it in a way that means they can underpay people or understaff things or whatever. And, but a couple of years ago, when we were talking about this, I was not really ever worried about it because I was only thinking from like the creative side of things. And I was like, dude, no robot is, you have to have human emotion in order to write something that is good, in my opinion. And I still believe that. Um, and a robot's not gonna be able to do that. <laughs> now I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that like, oh, well, that's the thing though, Corey, it's not just it, the, 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 the burden is not necessarily on the creative person. The burden is on all the writer's assistants who they could be replaced by AI. And what people don't understand is like being a writer's assistant is like a part is, is a step on the ladder that people have taken for years in order to get staff jobs, in order to end up becoming showrunners and working on television. Like those jobs that they're now wanting to automate used to represent like I said, an opportunity for someone to get in the room and learn. And if that part is taken away, yeah, it's going to be real bad. And obviously that's what the strike was about. Um, I still don't believe that AI is going to be able to, like, like if they start putting out movies that the script was completely, completely written by AI, I've always said, I was like, look, it might work for a second and everybody, else, it's like a, you know, like a new gimmick or whatever. But to me, I've thought, well, it's going to make the really good stuff stand out even more. Like, you know what I'm, does that make sense? Like if all, if that becomes the norm, then people will be so starved for actual originality and heart that it'll end up going the other way. And I say that, and I, I really want to believe that, but at the same time, man, like some of this AI shit has straight up shocked me in how good it is. Uh, like, like, I don't mean like good, like oh, wrote a funny script. I just mean like the, and obviously we see a bunch of them that are duds, but like sometimes they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be this AI generated video. And I'm like, I totally thought that was a real thing. Uh, and that's terrifying. <laughs> that's terrifying. But I th- kind of think of it outside. I, if I can think about it outside the entertainment world, which like I should, cause that's really what you're asking. What the, the main thing that scares me about it is like the potential, for it on a political scale of people being like misinformation is already like crushing us as a society and has been since the dawn of time (laughs) it's not new it's just easier to spread you know and if you can just click into a thing and prompt a thing to let's say hypothetically you know make a video of uh i don't know Pete Buttigieg saying the N-word, right? Like, I'm just, it's just off the top of my head. I don't know why this one off the top of my head. And then you put that out there. Well, by the time Pete Buttigieg's camp comes back and confirms it, say, ah, half the damage is already done. People just see the bad thing, and then they, they go, well, here's my opinion, blah, blah, blah. And, like, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. And um, 
And the thing is, is like, it won't just be used by your enemy to destroy you. The people that we that are on that are, we think are on our team are going to use it, and that's not. And 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 it's going to be funny because there's going to be a lot of people that are like, okay, yeah, sure, it was fake, but if that's what we have to do to bring down Trump, it's okay. And it's like, no, it's not. This is a slippery slope to complete state television where we can't trust anything that we're seeing. And then we're getting into fucking, you know, minority report shit, which is terrifying <laughs> and crazy. Um, but just like with anything like that, dude, there's going to have to be regulations. Like, I just don't see how you could be libertarian on this ideal here because like, and me and Trey and Drew have talked about this a bunch. It's like, look, if you, if we've got the technology to automate literally everything, if we treated it as like Wakanda and everyone was like, hey, this is great. People don't have to work anymore and we'll have a, a wonderful society where no one has back pain and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they decided everyone's going to be able to have a stipend because no one will be able to work, but you still have to live. So you'll be able to get your goods and services. That would be fucking awesome. That's literally like the Jetsons, you know, but that's not going to happen. Like the, the CEOs and shit want to... They don't want to use the AI to make the world a better place. They want to use AI to make their world a better place, a.k.a. their bank account. And uh, that's always scary. So, fuck, man, I don't know. But I do think right now, you know, we're kind of at the beginning of this. And uh, there's going to be a lot of fear-mongering on both sides. Um, And uh, it's going to get ugly. But I don't know what the ultimate end result will be. You know, I've read a lot about the singularity and shit about when AI ends up creating AI and it, and it just like, it's the end of us. Like, the, like AI controls us because the AI is basically sentient and like, buddy, that's going to be some wild fucking shit. And frankly, I kind of hope that I die before it happens. I kind of hope I'd get to die in the old school earth before it becomes a sci-fi movie, you know? Um, or <clears throat> maybe it would hit to like be super old and just like live through one year of it just to, just to be able to see what happens and then check out. I don't know, but it is scary. Okay, we got another one here from our friend Phoenix. I have questions. The biggest question I have, I feel like, I feel like might be inappropriate though. I doubt that. Uh, my son is a big fan of Drax the Destroyer. Me too. Awesome. He, he has autism, and one thing that he loves is the big guys, Hulk, Drax, Solomon Grande. The theme is huge dude who talks funny. Uh, before I get to the, the related question that you have down here, I could be talking out of school, but I don't think that I am. Uh, I had read several things that maybe James Gunn contributed to or whatever that was talking about how, like, Drax was like 100% inspired by, like his character is supposed to sort of relate to autism in a way, which from what shocking, like, you know, I say I know very little about autism. I, I say that because like, I'm not an expert in the field. I only have experience with autistic people and talking to people that have autistic children. But like, you know, it kind of, it kind of tracks uh, with, with Drax's personality, like, in this, and there's the stereotype of, you know, autistic people that, like, maybe maybe sarcasm isn't their first language. They take things a little literally. Uh, you know, Drax is very much that. That's like, that's like where most of his humor 
comes from. He's kind of a loner, you know? So my, my point is, is like, I don't think that that's, that could be on purpose with Drax, you know, and that might be why uh, your son relates to him. I could be wrong. I have no idea. The related question, who should be cast as live action Solomon Grundy? That is a great question. Now, now that James Gunn is heading up the DC verse, I have a little faith in it. You know, I, I'm starting to have more faith in like that they're actually going to, you know, raise the head on this thing and start hitting. And, you know, I don't know what age Solomon Grundy needs to be for everybody. Because um, that's the thing is like, I don't even know how old Solomon Grundy is in like the comics because he's kind of like a monster dude. You know, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, all that shit. Like, he's kind of a, like you can't tell, he's kind of a monstrous figure. But I, I'll give the answer that I always give when it comes to bigger men. Um, well, I would love to see my buddy Earl Brown play him, W. Earl Brown. I would love that. Um, but a bigger, a bigger star for the network or for the company, I go with Vincent D'Onofrio because like, I mean, think about Vincent D'Onofrio in full metal jacket, you know, uh, he crushed in that movie and he played sort of a dumbed down monster type. And then you also look at him in Daredevil playing Kingpin and he can also play that like authoritative big guy, like very convincing and he's also just like, in my opinion, one of the most underrated actors of all time. Like, dude, him in uh, in Men in Black, holy shit, dude. Like, I genuinely, when I was a kid, I thought he was a bug. I literally thought he was a bug. That is wild. So I'm going to go with Vincent D'Onofrio for Solomon Grande. I am prepared for everyone to be like, that's a terrible casting choice, Corey. R.C. McDovetail asks, what is the best... A cover version of a song that's ever been recorded and then also what is your dream cover you know what artist would you like to cover what song there's so many that I could say that are like my favorite like like I don't know probably my favorite off the top of my head for sure is um Atlantic City by the band which is a cover of Bruce Springsteen and then uh, dude of course you've got uh Blinded by the Light, which is also a Bruce Springsteen cover. There's a lot of people that covered Bruce Springsteen and, in my opinion, made it better, even though Bruce Springsteen is one of the goats. Uh, funny how that works. The most, like, unique one, in my opinion, that got, that really hit the charts was, oh, where, oh, where could my baby be? I think it's, it's called Last uh, Last Ride or whatever that uh, Pearl Jam did that was like a 50s doo-wop kind of song about, you know, a couple having a wreck or whatever. Oh, Last Kiss. It's called Last Kiss. Uh, that's like a really unique one that like when I was a kid, that really got me into more old stuff because I really love Pearl Jam and like they, you know, did this song and I was like, wait, what? And my, my parents were like, that's, you know, that's not their song. That's a cover. And I was like, what's a cover? What do you mean? Uh, and that's, that's like the reason I love covers so much. Like there's a lot of people that always go, oh, that song don't need to be done again. And I'm like, and it pisses me off when people say shit like that because I'm like, you realize that no one is putting a gun to your head and making you listen to it, right? Like, not a soul is doing that. And, and Or some people be like, they ruined it. They ruined the song. I'm like, the old one still exists. But also, in my opinion, if you love the artist that did the original song, you should want as many people to cover it as possible because that gets, not only does that artist, they get paid for that, 
Like, especially if they wrote the song. But number two, like, it always puts your favorite artist in front of people that may have never seen them before. Like, a lot of people shit on Morgan Wallen's uh, version of Cover Me Up by Jason Isbell. First off, it was a fine cover. I mean, it's it's okay to like the Isbell version better. It was better. That's my opinion. But, like, it, Jason Isbell got paid for that. I like that. He also donated, like, all the money to the NAACP. That's a net positive, dude. And 100%, J- like, Jason Isbell got more fans because of that. There was a lot of people that maybe didn't know who he was. Morgan Wallen does this. They find out, oh, here's this guy named Jason Isbell, and now they like Jason Isbell. You know, um, Country Music Awards this past week, uh, I can't remember if it was Luke Combs or Zach Bryan or which one did it, but someone covered fast car by tracy chapman first off their their version was awesome and it's almost impossible for it not to be because that song is a certified banger that song is fucking great and guess what uh it won song of the year meaning tracy chapman won song of the year because she wrote it guess what she is that song she's making so much goddamn money on that song right now and selling more tickets to her concert so like it don't matter if you like that version of that song. It's a net positive for your favorite artist, and that's why I love covers. Like, I hope, dude, who, all my favorite indie bands, I hope fucking Taylor Swift covers all their shit. I really do. Like, that would hit so hard. Uh, and I love covers because you just get to see an artist, like, that you like go, oh, wow, they appreciate this other type of thing. That's interesting. Like, you know, with Pearl Jam and Last Kiss specifically, it's like, that was completely out of their genre, and they made it their own. Sort of the same as, well, it wasn't out of the genre, but another cover that I love so much is the Foo Fighters covered Darling Nikki uh, by Prince. And surprisingly, even though I knew who Prince was when I was a kid for sure and loved a lot of his stuff, I'd actually never heard Darling Nikki. That one didn't get played a lot at our house for obvious reasons. And then when I heard Foo Fighters do it, I thought it was a them song, and then I found out it was Prince, and that really hit for me. I was like, man, Dave Grohl's so goddamn cool. Like, I already knew he was, but like, dang, he's so cool. You know, um, nothing compares to you if we're going on Prince. Sinead O'Connor, <laughs> it's definitely one of the most iconic, you know, talk about making something your own. Like, it's hard to top Prince, but Sinead O'Connor might have done it. But at the same time, if we're having this conversation, how the fuck could we not say it's Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, covering Dolly Parton. I mean, I almost have to say objectively, that's the best one. Because, number one, just like I just said with It's Hard to Top Prince, imagine topping Dolly Parton. Well, here's the deal. Whitney Houston did. And that's not me saying it. That's Dolly Parton saying it. You know, that's Dolly saying it. And I heard this story not long ago. I heard Dolly tell it. That was basically, she didn't, like, she knew that Whitney wanted to cover that song, but that's all, like, and she gave her permission or whatever, but Dolly went on being Dolly, you know, like, being busy as shit and didn't really think much about it, and she, per her, she was just driving down the road, listening to the radio, I have to think being driven around, but eh, maybe, I don't know, she might have been in Gatlinburg in her truck, and she heard that song come on, and she's she's like, I had to pull over on the side of the road and cry because it was so good. And she's like, and I'm pretty sure she said, she goes, at that moment, I just said, that ain't my song anymore. That's Whitney's song. Like, this woman wrote, and per the legend, she wrote this song on the same day she wrote Jolene. I don't know if that's true or not, 
But simply the fact that she wrote both of them is legend status forever. But if she really did write both of them some bitches on the same day, son, you talk about an absolute fucking heater. I mean, do not walk away from the table, Miss Parton. You are on fire, baby. So, dude, I, now it's like, how could I even... There's there's so many other covers that I'd, I'd love to talk about. But if I mention I Will Always Love You by Dolly and Whitney, I think that's game over, dude. I think it is. Obviously, tell me in the comments what your favorite uh, covers are. Because yeah, I've got a, a bazillion more. I just wanted to... Uh, I wanted to mention a couple that maybe aren't talked about as much. Um... And I think that's Atlantic City by the band. Um, like I said, being Bruce Springsteen. Oh, I forgot to answer the second part of the question. What is my dream uh, cover? <coughs> okay. I don't have the specific song, but I do have the two artists that I want to cover each other. And this is actually because of some... Uh, this is because of my dad. My dad is the one who brought this up. Uh, we were driving down the road one day. We were listening to Sirius XM. I don't know what channel I put it on, but The Killers came on. I love The Killers. Um, if you've never listened to The Killers, stop this right now. Go listen to The Killers. You've definitely heard them because Mr. Brightside is like our generation's sweet Caroline, as it should be, by the way. It's amazing. And The Killers comes on, and I believe the song was Are We Human or Are We Dancers? I think that was the song. And I was thinking, as soon as it came on, I was like, my dad ain't going to be into this shit. Because my dad likes old school stuff, you know. But my dad's also a musician. And he is always someone that, like, even if something's not his cup of tea, he's always respected when it's great. Like, my dad is not into rap. But my but when Eminem came out, my dad was like, all the other parents were, like, trying to tell their kids not to listen to Eminem. But my dad would be like, look, man, I ain't into rap. He goes, but this shit right here, he goes, this takes a massive amount of talent. Like, when... When all the other parents were calling it just crap, dad was like, look, it's not for, maybe it's not for them, but like, he's like, calling it crap is like, he goes, that's so, you know, reductive. Like, you should, like, like, admit, like, admit that you don't like it, that's fine. But like, listen, no, like, thinking this doesn't take skill makes you look ignorant, you know? So that's, that's dad's, that's sort of dad's lane. And dad immediately, he's like, who is this? I was like, this is the killers. I really like them. They're, they're great. They're kind of, they're like a real showy, showy band. And dad goes, this song reminds me of something that like old Bruce Springsteen would do. And I was and I was like, I started listening to it and I was like, holy shit, he's right. Like it doesn't sound like Bruce Springsteen per se, but it sounds like something Bruce would have been into or Bruce would have written or whatever. And dad goes, Man, I would really like to hear Bruce cover this song. And then he's like, and and you know, also I would like to hear these people uh cover Bruce Springsteen. I think hearing the killers do like the whole Born in the USA album uh, would be amazing. Glory Days specifically, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear Glory Days and I would love to hear Bruce Springsteen do Mr. Brightside or as my dad suggested, Are We Human or Are We Dancers? That's like, since my dad said that, and we're talking like 15 years ago, that's always been like my fantasy booking of two bands to like tour together or make an album together sort of like jay-z and lincoln park did uh yeah the killers and bruce springsteen that would be rad and one more question before we get out of here i'm sort of still coughing stuff up my throat hurts <laughs> but uh i'll do this one real quick uh this is from Susie alvarez and Susie says what happened to annie fatneck jones i miss her commentary 
Now, this, was, this question was from a long time ago, May, actually. So Susie probably knows that Annie Fatneck Jones has popped back up since then, but she doesn't pop up all the time, and that's because, and a lot of people do not know this, Annie Fatneck Jones is not my dog. <laughs> she is my wife's best friend, do- friend's dog, and we just babysit her from time to time. And every time we do, I make my Annie Fatneck Jones videos. But people are always like, I don't understand, where's she at? And it's like... It's like, guys, not my dog. If it was my dog, you'd probably see her way more often. Matter of fact, I think it's a good thing she's not my dog because I don't think people would like Annie Fatneck Jones as much if they saw it every day. That's just me, though. I know there's a lot of people that are like, "Mm, no, it's my favorite character that you do, and I would like to see it every single day. And that's fair. Okay, that is it for today, you lovely people. I have to uh, save my voice and use a neti pot because we got to go record the well-read podcast here in about an hour. Thank y'all for being here. Thank y'all for subscribing to this Substack. and y'all stay healthy. Being sick was not fun, but uh, thank y'all for being patient with me. Love you. I'll talk to you later. See you. Bye.